Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie my name is robert patrick i play gary tyson that's gary tyson with an i in the film last rampage evil broke loose in 1978, Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What, what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It, it was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the, the things that you were drawn on. Of course, I, I, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story. Like, there, there, you know, the, the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See, that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm gonna serve one term and when I die, I'm gonna serve another term in hell. Uh, I gotta get out of this. And and the, 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 the link that he was willing to uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was it was fascinating to me don't miss last rampage the true story of the prison break of gary tyson in theaters september 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order august 22nd find out more on twitter by following at last rampage film or on facebook.com slash last rampage film Hello, and welcome back to X-Files Files. Yep, we're back. Uh, Meltdown is done. Silicon Valley has started airing. Oh, so you should watch that. You should watch Silicon Valley every Sunday night after Game of Thrones. Um, It's a great show. It's very funny. Oh, and if you're a fan of Silicon Valley or you like this podcast and you live in Atlanta, this week... 17th and 18th, that's Friday and Saturday, Thomas Middleditch, who plays Richard on the show. Thomas Middleditch and I are doing stand-up at the Atlanta Improv. So go to 
theatlantaimprov.com. Buy tickets, two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Please come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll each do stand-up. We do a two-man thing at the end. We give away prizes. It's a, it's, it's a really, really fun show. And, you know, Thomas is really funny. And, um, you know, I'm doing my best out there. So just come on out uh, this week, 17th and 18th of April, um, Atlanta. Um, uh, so yes, the X Files is back. What well, X Files is back? X Files Files is back. Uh, these two episodes are the end of season three and the beginning of season four. So Talitha Kumi, I think I'm saying that right, and Heron Folk. So uh, Devin Faraci is back since he's sort of the resident mythology expert, um, and I have a. F- a bunch of fun guests lined up coming up so um all right well hope you guys enjoy this episode and i'll see you next week hey welcome back to the x-files files i'm kumail nanjiani we're back from a sort of an extended hiatus devin farachi is here hello kumail how's it going very well i feel like we've been off for maybe three or four weeks or something right um and now we're back. Were you on when uh, the fruits of your labor were announced and the return of the X-Files Well, happened? I did an intro where I, yeah, because I did a flash forward with, um, for X-Cops with Max Landis. And um, he, so, so before that, I, in the intro, we ta- I talked about the, um, the show coming back. Well, Six I, episodes. You know, I just want to say that on the record that I feel like this is a, a feather in your cap, that this is a thing that you did. Oh, come on. This, this show, Listen. This show is a huge... I mean, like... Listen. The, you know, X-Files was sort of coming back into the pop consciousness, um, but you came along at the exact right time to really kickstart it. I think that... I know that Fox paid attention to this show. Um, I know that uh, what you did transcends any other efforts. This show really had a huge part. I mean, I can't say that, but I can't stop other people from saying (laughs) it, I guess. I guess if other people call me a hero, then, you know, that's on them. You are, you are, you are, <laughs> you are the the deep throat of the of the new X Files. All I want is a major role in the miniseries. I That's just all I want. I don't understand why Scully can't have a new uh, a new boyfriend. What? He's from Pakistan. Sure, he could be. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, like a, a boy toy kind of thing. I think so. That's totally fine. He yeah. could get killed. That could be the inciting incident. I he mean, can it, have the, the important information and his dying breath give it to Scully, who cries for a long time over his corpse. She's just crying the rest of the episodes. <laughs> and it's just flashbacks. <laughs> just happy flashbacks. So it's just like getting breakfast, you know, sort stuff of like, like that. Just that kind of like just hanging out in bed all day. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, <laughs> just like a swing in the middle of nowhere. That kind of stuff. I don't know. Just just off the top of my head. But yeah, I'm really excited for it to come back because it's, it's int- I've talked to a lot of people. About the show coming back, um, I, I none of the uh, I don't mean writers or anything. I've talked to them, but they won't tell me anything. Right. Um, but it seems like a lot of people want the mythology to be resolved. I feel like as an I'm one of the I'm in the minority of X Files fandom, and I think that they don't really need to resolve it, or, or maybe resolve it quickly. I'd love to see a six episode standalone thing like right. you know the fall or something well you know the weird thing about it is that we are now at a point in time where the on some level i feel like the new show has to at least address what is technically fallout from these two episodes that we're going to talk about today. yes because they talk about a date they talk about a colonization plan 
and that date in, was revealed later on it's to later. have, or we've already passed it. Yes. So on some level, the show sort of has to address. Yes, they the, they do, but I don't know if it needs to be a six. Listen, the, the, the problem we've had nine seasons of this myth arc that's right. getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't want the six episodes just them trying to deal with all the convoluted stuff that sort of had been added to it over right. the years. I mean, it would be kind of cool if we sort of discover that there is a deeper conspiracy that has sprung up over the past 20 years. <laughs> a meta that, conspiracy? That stopped the previous conspiracy, and now there's something deeper and weirder. And then that can just be hinted at in the, in the, in the miniseries. <laughs> I'm excited. I, 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 I've heard, I mean, just sort of general stuff, that maybe it's not going to be all one story, that there might be some one-ups. Because, you know, Darren Morgan and Glenn Morgan and James Wong are going back. James, yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So they're basically r lining up a murderer's row of writers. Yeah, Frank Spotnitz they were trying to get. And um, I hear like they might be getting some of the pretty big writers back. I mean, these guys are the reason that the show is great. Right. I mean, Darren Morgan wrote you know some of the great, greatest, weirdest episodes. But it's um, what I realized watching this show, these two is Talitha Kumi and Heron Valk, which is the end of season three, beginning of season four. A lot of stuff gets introduced that becomes sort of important at the X-Files mythology. The bees right. show up. The bees show up. That conversation that Cigarette Smoking Man has with Jeremiah Smith, where they're sort of talking about, you know, a free freedom versus safety. That thing, that's the thing that they talk about right now with the NSA right. and uh, all that uh, Snowden stuff. Right. It's like the same conversation. X-Files is so relevant right now. It's a now. conversation we've been having since the founding of this country. Uh, you know, Ben Franklin said a man who is willing to give up a little bit of liberty for a little bit of safety deserves neither. Uh, that's a paraphrase. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. But it's it's that same thing. It's, that's a great is, sentiment. This yeah. has always been the push and pull of American culture. Yeah. How much do you want to be secure versus how much do you want to be free? And being free means having the freedom to make terrific mistakes or to do bad things potentially. Right. And that's what uh, they really get at. What, what did you think of these two episodes? I thought that Talitha Kumi is perhaps the most pretentious episode of a television show ever aired. Really? The title of the episode is Arise Maiden in Aramaic. So already we're off. But also the episode begins in a, in a, in a fast food restaurant called The Brothers K. Brothers Karamazov. Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. I mean, how many other TV shows are ever going to have a Brothers Karamazov right. a, a burger chain? Uh, but and, then, and then an entire subplot based on a chapter from Brothers Karamazov. I mean, it's sort of... It's so, I mean, I like it. I've never read the book, but it's I like it. But it's 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 high level English lit stuff. Yes, and that's David Duchovny doing that, uh, and that's it's it's kind that's of right. Neat. He was an English major. It's or... kind of neat that the show yeah. goes there. They're like, you know, for the big family, let's just really go with the uh, the Karamazov stuff. But I think it works in the sense that even if you don't know the book, it right. No, it's it still works. And yeah. honestly, to me, I found it a little less like that Native American mythology stuff that we talked about earlier. Right. That rubbed me more. That, that rubbed me the wrong way more than this. This did. Well, that was the stuff. That was that whole white man co-opting Native American mysticism. Sure. This is just sort of like philosophical discussion stuff yeah. and just recast through this lens. What I really like is the beginning of this episode is that it opens with what you think is a standard X Files opening, which is a guy sh yeah. about to shoot up a restaurant and he yeah. ha hears voices in his head, and you're like, "Oh, is this Dwayne Barry again? Is this a control?" But yeah. then the actual reveal is that we're not interested in that guy. 
we're interested in this rando dude who happens to be in the restaurant who can heal people. Yeah. Uh, I like that he heals the shooter before he heals the people that get shot. It's, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that really skirts up against interesting religious stuff. Um, it, it skirts oh, right yeah. up I against it. I mean, he's it. pretty c- close to a Jesus figure. Right. And it sort of goes there. They don't really. He talks get about how humans have love and stuff right. Like yeah, that. it's 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 really interesting, and then it's really interesting too uh, how this really pivots a lot of the, um, the the mythology in a in a pretty big way. These two episodes pivot the mythology in a pretty big way. Uh, you know, I didn't revisit um, Colony, which I think is where the alien bounty hunters introduced, right? I think so. I don't remember the name. I mean, it's getting now to the point where all this mythology stuff. It's getting harder for me to figure out specific episodes. My big question about that is, do you remember from those episodes, did they ever explain why the alien knife is special? Like why okay, it's that's, not just a switchblade ice pick? That's It's just like a switchblade ice pick. That's the, my biggest point with this like, episode. Why are you hiding is, that in a lamp? That's like, the huge thing that's going to prove something. Is it made of a weird metal? I don't know. It just doesn't... First of all, it's not a badass weapon. Right. It, it's not a badass enough weapon. It's not like Thor's hammer where you're like, oh, this is fucking great. It doesn't look that cool. It fu- fucking doesn't work because Mulder <laughs> uses it on the alien and the alien's fine. So that's a weird thing that needs to be explained. The big thing that these episodes do is uh, you, you find out it's not an invasion, it's a colonization. Right. And that the, the government and all are in on it and it's all been set. And so that's a pretty big change. It's also the first time you really um, see explicitly that Mrs. Mulder and Cigarette Smoking Man have this really long involved history. Uh, he fucked her. Yeah, uh, which begins sort of the, so is the question he Mulder's of is Mulder, dad, right? And, that, and is is that why Mulder has been allowed to survive for so long? The other thing that this episodes do is give Mulder some sort of chosen one kind of thing, right? Where they're like, you you understand his part in the in, in, in the entire plan, in the right. grand plan. I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about it? I mean, it ties into thematically the idea of like you know the sins of our fathers right. and you atoning for them. It's and stuff not like that. great. But also, it's semi-necessary as we enter season four and more as they kill X in Mulder's hallway. It, more and more, you have to wonder, good lord, just just kill Mulder. You ha- they have to come up with a reason, right? And they keep having to shift that goalpost. I actually think that the idea that he might be cigarette smoking man's son is a good enough reason, and oh, that yeah. creates dramatic tension, and that creates tension between uh, CSM and the rest of the syndicate, which yeah. I think is interesting. Maybe he's using this idea. Maybe CSM is using the idea of Mulder as important to the plan as a rationale for the rest of the syndicate. That's kind of how I thought of it. Okay, he saves, you know, Mrs. Mulder's life at the end, and that to me read like he just wants to save her life, and he's coming up. Right, with because this. his explanation is an enemy with nothing to lose is the most dangerous enemy. Well, no, just just kill Mulder. Just I mean, kill like, the you enemy. Really, have literally come to the point now where you could just kill Mulder. But it makes sense to me that Cigarette Smoking Man is trying to save Mulder because there's some sort of connection. Right. He has to him. It's right. not about the grand plan like he, to me when he says you have to save her nothing to lose blah blah read to me like he just wants to save this woman that he cares right. for right he really he, he honestly cares for her. right and they don't and what's really interesting is that they have this fight but we don't see what the fight is we see that right you a, just we see, see it from a distance but, yeah. so what are they fighting about and right it, it seems likely that it's probably Mulder I mean it seems like she sort of knows a lot about this big conspiracy thing well, her, I think I'm her trying to husband remember, certainly does. I'm trying to remember what the actual chronology is here and what we've already talked about once already happened. But it didn't it seem like she was potentially involved in the selection of Samantha? Well, they sort of implied that certainly with his dad. So I mean, Definitely. like it's potential that she does have inside information yes. based on that. I mean, she certainly knows where the alien switchblade is. Yeah, it's um, in the lamp. Palm. I love lamp. I love lamp. Um, 
again, that Switchblade felt to me such a, they made such a big deal out of it. Like in the past, it's been some sort of cassette or something that has data on it. And that, to me, that's much more of a substantial thing than this kind of lame Switchblade. It's just, they needed to be explained that the Switchblade is made of a special metal or it secretes a special something or other. Yeah. It's one of two main problems I have with this episode. One is the um, Switchblade, which I just think is just lame. Uh, and the other one is uh, imagine being an alien colonist and your job is to be the guy sitting at the Social Security office wearing the exact same face as five other guys and the exact same name. Why, if you have, if you're a bunch just of just give them different names. If you're shape shifting aliens, why do you all look exactly the same? Just pick a different face. <laughs> pick a different face. Pick a different name. All working for the same organization. I, yeah. yeah. It's, and uh, can you imagine? Like, I need you to go to this alien planet and uh, get a desk job. Yeah. And, that's, and just that's go be... with this face. <laughs> Please go with this face. I. Uh, that's a cool like reveal, obviously, and you kind of need that to have the thing where, where Scully finds all those six right. faces and stuff. So that works. I felt like in these episodes, the broad stuff works. There's some like little logic holes, like the one you just mentioned and the switchblade thing and things like that. But I thought overall, as sort of changing the focus of the mythology, these episodes work really well. You know, you, you lose Mr. Rex, you get... Uh, Marita Covarubius. Her yeah. name means, I forget what language it is, and name means hidden cave. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a point when I was pretty heavy into this stuff, and like we were like doing like name uh, examinations. and Yeah, they, yeah. well, they, they sort of really bring that on. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird name, Covarubius. Oh, this is a side note. Um, I Someone said something to me about how Fox has new X-Files merchandise for sale. So I went to the Fox X-Files website. And it gave me an error because uh, it couldn't find real player. So, <laughs> so, so they're really keeping the 90s alive. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That was such like a concrete reminder of how old the show is. It's like, oh, right. Fucking real player. It also had a little button where I did like click like it was like, uh, do you trust this website or not? And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> this show has told me not to click this button. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Marita becomes a major part of the show going on. Um, she well, so everything that happens in episode one of season four, you have to look at it through the prism of the movie, because at this point, this Chris is all Carter is actually in pre-production on the movie. He's yeah. getting ready to... So for, maybe for the first time in X-Files history, a year in advance, they kind of have the broader arc planned out in a, in a, in yeah. a, in a pretty strong way because he knows what this movie's going to be, where the movie's going to pick up and yeah. where it has to go. And the bees stuff, like that becomes sort of a major thing going on. Um, I like the sort of s symbolism of it, you know, these drones, those, those right. kids that are working. And I thought that the, I actually really liked the opening scene of the second episode with the, the lineman getting stung. Yeah, yeah, him getting stung and all those like, you know, Village of the Damned children right. showing up. The sort of analogy with like Nazi stuff kind of work. Well, Heronvolk, the, the Heronvolk means master race. Is that right? Yeah, that's the so, episode. Yeah. So obviously that's what they're yeah. invoking there. I thought, honestly for me, and I remember watching this when I first watched it, I didn't feel like the cliffhanger was as big and crazy as some of the other cliffhangers. Like in the last one, he's trapped in that train car with dead aliens and it's on fire. Here, 
the threat isn't even to our main guy. Yeah, he Mulder even says to Scully, "He'll leave you alone. You know, just don't don't get in his way." <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Mulder just leaves her and doesn't call her for like six or seven hours. And that is a classic shithead Mulder move. That is he a really move. is a real shithead in these yeah, episodes. He really is. He really. He, I need you to do something for me. And he I don't want to. And do it's anything. so funny because they're like running away, and he he just, he just want to answer his phone. It isn't even like he's like in hiding or whatever. He's just in a car driving to Alberta. He's like, Ignore. He's just <laughs> yeah. Oh, there she is again. I also wonder what he was talking about in the car with the whole time with that guy. Because <laughs> when they when they finally get to the farm and the guy, it's all new to Mulder, so the guy could not have told Mulder a single thing in advance. Yeah, no, but that that's exactly my issue with a lot of these episodes. That happens with like here, I have something to show you. Then they like drive. So what are they talking about in the drive? Just. Tr- Prep me for what I'm about to see. I don't know. I think I think that the 1927 Yankees are the best Yankees. Go to hell. <laughs> I mean, he, Mulder, we'll totally talk about that. I like that actor, Jeremiah Smith. He has like a very dignified, like, sort of way about him. I think all of his stuff is 80 yard. You think so? I think so. But I think I, it makes it kind of interesting. Uh, it has like a weirdly otherworldly quality. I, I think. I'm not sure. But the stuff at the farm especially seemed 80 yard to me. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice some ADR where they're like getting out of the car and one of them just goes, we're out of gas. Like clearly <laughs> they were like, we got to spell it out for these people. Nobody's mouth is moving. Um, uh, I like, you know, what's actually funny is that the cliffhanger is not that great, but it comes after a really terrific fight scene of Mulder and X in the garage. Yes. Um, I wish they had figured out a way to cliffhang that because it's a really cool fight scene. Yeah. Um, and even if you had sort of like ended that, if the episode had ended with the two of them and their Mexican standoff. Yeah. That would have actually been a pretty, a pretty tight cliffhanger. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I understand, you know, it's sort of hack to put your main characters in peril as part of the cliffhanger because, and it kind of doesn't really work because you know they're going to get out, right. right? So in this one, maybe... The thinking was that they're going to put an important piece of the puzzle in peril, but not our main characters. And maybe that has higher stakes somehow. The things I feel like at this point, this many episodes into the show, I understand that that piece of the puzzle will die before he's able to give them solid information. Or any information. (laughs) He gives them almost nothing. I mean, he does bring... I mean, it is... Colonization. Not just that, but bringing Mulder to the clone of his sister is a pretty profound yeah. moment. Yeah, and I Mulder's mean, just like, this one's coming with me. How like, does he choose? What, how's the, what is going to happen? Yeah, how does he choose? <laughs> Looks at their teeth, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty enormous uh, event. I mean, in the life of Fox Mulder. Yeah, to find a sister. Here's a farm full of his she looks sister. The same. His sister as slave. Yeah. I also <laughs> felt like this episode... Uh, had a little sort of a different structure than the other X-Files. In the other X-Files, it's something crazy happens, and then it's just moving forward. They're trying to right. figure it out. Here, it's more like a movie where it takes a full sort of act for them to really get activated and find it. Like, it's it's sort of a... It moves a little slower in the beginning, I thought. There isn't, like, a crazy ticking clock that they have to beat or anything. Right. Yeah, it is sort of a weird... I mean, it falls into that weirdness of having the five Jeremiah Wheelers or... Smith, yeah. Smith, whatever his name is. It's sort of that... It fits into that, which is sort of like one of these things where it's like we've stumbled into a weird thing. And even in episode yes. two, Scully literally says we haven't formed any suspicions yet. Right. So even in episode two of yeah. this, they're still sort of like, we don't really know what this means. Right. So they're it's not... certainly weird as hell. Yeah, they're not running around as much. I thought the speech that she gives about the genetic thing... I, I found this um, on uh, one of the old message boards, 
uh, that's real. They actually, this, this professor said, I forget where I saw this. Oh, no, this was on Darren Mooney's review thing. Um, a professor in a class was like, here, so TV shows just do this. So they showed like the sequence or whatever, and then they looked it up, and it was correct. They thought it was going to be a lie, but, it's, but it was just like a movie thing, but it's, it's correct what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. So we're all individually genetically tagged by the, small, I don't by the smallpox. I, I don't think I got the smallpox vaccine. You didn't? I don't feel like I did. I have it. But, you know, I'm from Pakistan. I don't think they were really. I think it was just water in there. They're like, here, this will make you feel better. Um, that, I th- that's really cool, the, the tagging with the smallpox vaccine with the uh, unique protein or whatever. That's a cool. Those are good conspiracies, right? It's really awesome. I mean, like, and it's so funny because that's another thing that is so current right now with anti-vaccine stuff happening oh, yeah. all over the place again. Of course. And so that's like a really great large conspiracy, the idea that you get herded into a doctor's office and every American has to do this for the safety of the world. It's such a great cover story, and it's always oh, yeah. it's always created crazy conspiracy theories as a result. It's like fluoridation of water. Anytime that you're adding something yes. that's outside the natural order, people immediately begin trying to figure out what your ulterior motive is. Right. And so it's fun. It's really good. Um, and I like the idea in this show that they lean into those kinds of conspiracies because even though I suspect Chris Carter does not find vaccines to be troubling no uh, it's still just a really great story point. it's a compelling way to sort of get the stuff out there yeah um i uh what was the other thing i was gonna say uh i thought scully when Mulder's mom is in the hospital and she's talking about like hey listen her brain is all scrambled like that's pretty harsh she's like oxygen was cut off to her brain so palm probably means nothing She's a fucking crazy person right now. <laughs> I thought that wasn't very nice of her. It just happened. I actually, you know, it's funny. Their, their final scene together in the hospital, <clears throat> um, Mulder and Scully, when they're waiting over his mother. And uh, it's a really touching scene. But I sort of feel like uh, Mulder gives the wrong speech. Because he says, there are th- I've seen things that your science can't begin to explain. And I feel like he's just come from a farm that is all about the weird science. And he's sort of, I feel like he's now at a place in his arc where I want him to sort of like lean into the idea that all of this weird shit is explainable. It doesn't make it any less weird or any less alien. Yeah. But there's crazy science going on. Yeah. Because she's definitely coming towards him in a big way in these two episodes. She has a great quote where she says, nothing happens in opposition to science, just what we know of it or something like that. To nature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I that's thought that, that was a great... And that's sort of a larger... I like that as an arc for her from to go from the skeptic to sort of the open-minded skeptic, which yeah. is that this stuff is weird. Just because it's weird doesn't mean it can't be explained. And just because, it's, just because it can be explained yeah. doesn't mean it's not weird. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like her arc is really terrific. That's why I sort of wish this had them sort of meeting halfway right there. Because if he had said... I have seen stuff that science is a hundred years ahead of our science. Right. Not like this is crazy shit, unexplainable. Because he acts it like it's magic. It's like it's clearly not magic. It's right? not magic. Yeah. In fact, they said that they've, they've you know, he, the, Jeremiah explained to him what kind of cloning they're using. I'll tell everything. you what is magic. That guy can heal people with his palm. That is, well, that's closer to magic, right? That's closer to magic. That's closer to magic. That's the thing I'm like, well, what are the rules of this alien? So he can shapeshift, which I buy. Healing a body, to me, just requires a little bit more explanation. It just doesn't feel like something that really needs to be in there. 
it feels like a lot. It feels like the kind of thing that if I, you know, I don't, I don't want to second guess these guys too much, but I feel like if I was writing it, I would have subdivided my alien colonists into classes. Yes. And I would have had a guy does who he, all he does oh, is heal. Oh, so it's like, uh, it's, there's a medic, there's right. the sniper. Right. And there's that's like, but, but that's what I would do. I would have this guy, only this guy be able to heal because he's yeah. part of the healing class. And so in that drone structure, it makes sense. Like yes. we, we have genetically engineered a bunch of healers. Yeah. They're useless otherwise. Because that's why it makes sense that Jeremiah is so afraid of the bounty hunter. Because the bounty hunters would be genetically engineered to be a killer. Killer, right. Uh, yeah. As opposed to everybody being able to heal. Everybody can heal and everybody can kill. And you have to wonder why a Cigarette Smoking Man doesn't say, and when you're done with that, can you put your hand on my chest? Yeah, because I've got cancer I've got in real here. bad cancer, it turns out. Yeah. So can you please? Turns out i got real bad cancer. <laughs> uh, does, do they ever do that? I don't remember if they ever do that. Oh, they, I, have to, I don't remember. They, they definitely deal with his cancer more later on. You know, he's also rumored to be coming. Not rumored, but I think they've Duchovny said he's coming said back. said he's coming back, but then Duchovny had to back up and say, well, I don't actually know. I just assume all the main players are coming back. Okay. Because it isn't like that guy's doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like... He wrote a book. But he's not like on a TV show or... You know what's interesting about him is that he's a big skeptic guy. Um, uh, and it's really interesting. Like, he talks about... He debunks, like, UFO stuff and stuff like that. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, or, like, he's just sort of... But like in a smart way, like right. I forget what it is because I talked to his publicist and I've been trying to get him on. He just doesn't live here. He's in Vancouver. Yeah. He runs an acting studio. Yeah. Yeah. He was just an extra that they had stand in the corner of the room once. There's a couple of moments in uh, these two episodes where um, Cigarette Smoking Man as the ultimate agent of American intrigue so clearly has a Canadian accent <laughs> where he's like, you know what? This is a boot. This is Mulder. <laughs> 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 That's why I was so excited that they they, they, they go to Alberta. Yeah, uh, so like, oh, they finally, do. They're like, all right, the extras yeah. can actually speak we don't in, have their, to... in their in their natural voices. Yeah, well, like that guy on the telephone pole is like, a a yeah, <laughs> they really lean yeah. into how Canadian. Yeah, they're like, look, no, we, no, no, this is Canadian. Our our actors are yeah. not talking Canadian. That's they're what talking it is. American. They make people seem super Canadian, so all the other <laughs> Canadian actors in the other episodes don't seem as Canadian. He also says another phrase to them that I think is funny. What, what does he say? Like, isn't this a... Don't you just take the cake. Don't you just take the cake. Yeah. What the... I like They're that. like... <laughs> that's probably some kind of deep Tim Horton level Canadianism. Yes. Yeah, yes. that probably is. No, that just take the cake. Do you know what I like about the bees too? Is that um, at this point, we were still sort of... It had been really big in the 80s, but we were still sort of in the killer bee crisis. The panic. Africanized bees? The Africanized bees. We had this... Like in the 70s and 80s, there was like a legitimate fear that like giant swarms of killer bees were going to come over our border and just start decimating towns. Yeah. Because it had been so pumped out of proportion. And, yeah. you know, science reporting in the media isn't great. So the idea of like an invasive species that could dominate, yeah. got, you know, got mangled along the way and turned into horror stories of, you know, your kids could be in the field and a thousand bees will sting you yeah. to death. And uh, now it's, they've, they've, they've made it up through Texas at this point. Um, have they? They sure have. They've killed like a couple of people, but like not like. A and they were genetically number. engineered bees, right? They were genetically engineered. They were. They were. They were. They were bred. Yeah. To be to 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 to, to be African. To they, they had to be tougher, I guess, for the uh, cultural the, the, for the climate uh, situation in Africa. And then they got and they were brought to Brazil because they were uh, tougher, and they just they they just took over the entire population. Yeah. And as they have been moving north. Just uh, don't make anything tougher that has like a stinger <laughs> on it. But they aren't even that. They, 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 They're not even that. They've yeah. killed like two old guys. Yeah. Like in the last 25 years. Right. Which is not. But at, but at the time, like as, a, like as a kid, I remember being like, 
fearful of like, is this the killer bee invasion? It's also funny that it's killer bees and Africanized bees. So there's like some weird shit going on with the it naming of it. It gets even weirder because they're coming in from Mexico. Yeah. So there's like a lot of oh like my white God. panic stuff <laughs> happening here. It's African bees gonna, who are sneaking in from Mexico. They're taking our jobs? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, like, they were actually, they, one of the fears is that they, they, they are tougher than uh, domestic bees. And so they just take the place of they domestic They take the place bees. of them. They can't speak the language. You get on a phone. <laughs> Clearly, it's. Um, I like the uh, that his mom says the uh, palm thing when it's lamp. The brain is scrambled, and he connects it to the guy healing with the palm. Like to me, that really gets to the weird like uh, uh, connections that when Mulder jumps through hoops right. to make connections that aren't really there. Because mm. too many times his hunches are correct. It's good that here he has to take a few steps to get there. I like that he has to have a piece of paper to unscramble the word palm into lamp. Yeah. <laughs> he has to like sit there. Okay. Is malap a word? <laughs> what about? You have to spell out malap first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Palma. Palma. That's wrong. Malp. Nope. I like one phrase uh, that. Uh, no, also, when he says lamp, he's just so sure that he's right that he just starts like smashing but all the But I like the that it takes him a second lamp. Yeah. To actually get to Yeah, it's he, not the first he's lamp. He's committed. He's going to break every fucking lamp. I'm going to lamp house. E- break every fucking lamp I see for the rest of my life <laughs> until I find a weapon that doesn't really prove anything. <laughs> um, I like the phrase greater purpose, a lot like final solution, that yes. kind of thing. Like, so this grandiose term. I also really like a phrase that Cigarette Smoking Man says to the imprisoned Jeremiah Smith. He says, You're not allowed the luxury of human weakness. I really want to use that phrase in my real life somehow. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to Like to do a barista it. when they get your order yeah. wrong. You cannot have the luxury of human weakness. Yeah, I like that. And then the whole that whole NSA conversation, the happy versus giving people authority. Who are you to give hope? Freedom under the guise of democracy. Science really, is their religion. All that I'm, stuff. I'm really curious what, and, and this is obviously nothing they're ever going to ex- explain, and it has to happen because it needs it for the story. But what is the security clearances that everybody has? Because oh. the alien can shape shift into all these people yes. from Cigarette Smoking Man's past. And so is he reading his mind or is he just have privy to the files? I was thinking of that. I was like, wait, was Deep Throat also a shapeshifter? And that's why they have like a it's in their Rolodex of shapes to shift to. I don't know. I was thinking that myself. Well, they wanted to have him shape shift into Scully's sister. It was gonna be all people that Cigarette Smoking Man was involved in their deaths. Wait, what? That's what it was going to be. They wanted Scully's sister to be one of them, but they, they couldn't get the actress. Oh, they couldn't get her. Right. Oh, wow. So that was going to be the thing. It was going to be he was going to be coming at cigarette smoking man from a position of like guilt. Yeah. Which which really feeds into the religious allegory business yeah. here. Uh, but I am just curious what the sort of the the security clearance is. If the guy who works at the social security agency, you know, monitoring genetic tags, does he have he has access to all this information? It seems. Also, X. I'm, I'm always curious. What his spot in the what world his is. spot is? I like his whole thing of you know he's different from Deep Throat and that Deep Throat always seems to be trying to do the right thing. X is lower on the food chain. I think X has to sort of watch his back. He's a lot more paranoid. His um, motives aren't fully clear. Right. But at the end, he kind of dies because he's doing the right thing. Like he's trying to save you know to warn Mulder about his mom and and as he dies he leaves that note for him so I like that he has a little bit of like a redemption at the end um I really like that actor apparently he was leaving only because he was a regular in another he was the lead of a show called LA Heat do you know that I don't show? remember it sounds like a real short-lived yeah 
But he, which is why, like, he goes and then you get Morita. Like, I remember, I remember him from Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, he's he's their yeah. boss guy. Yeah, but that guy's I remember, great. I remember Friendly Heat. Um, it is sort of funny in the episode. You know, they they're able to kill him because they're able to spoof Mulder's signal to him. They yes. put the X in the window, and I was like, "This is the least secure way." Oh, yeah. to contact your secret guy, yeah, like, in your own home window. Yeah, you keep putting an X in tape. It's the most obvious thing. <laughs> Everyone in the neighborhood knows you're asking for help. <laughs> Even people who don't know about the conspiracy are like, "Oh, he needs, he needs help right now." Um, uh, I also they, they try and build up the switchblade needle thing where he says the tool of your destruction. I did like that. These men don't have names. That Skinner says. I really like that line. I like These that too. I like it names. because it's nice because it also helps sort of separate Skinner from those guys because early on in the series, you're not really sure where Skinner is in relation yes. to that. And this really specifies, I don't even know this guy's name. Like, yeah. It's like, this is a dude who comes and bu- bugs me in my office and I literally yeah. don't even know who he is. I don't like him. Right? Yeah. It's nice. It's, 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 it's very helpful to help delineate because there was a couple of moments early on in the show where Skinner, you felt like, could go either way. It could yes. be that he was... He had knowledge of the larger conspiracy, uh, and now it's just clearly he is just middle management, so clearly. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he, Skinner is always awesome on this um, on this show. He's going back, I think. He tweeted that, well, again, something about was, it. The company said that. I mean, but he tweeted something. He tweeted like when it got announced. Oh, really? He tweeted like "Yay" or something. Well, so. he's not dead, so that helps. His yes. character isn't dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's in the second movie, right? So I. There's no reason not to bring him. I'm back. sure he's going back. See, I, that's why I kind of want Cigarette Smoking Man to be scald, uh, to be Mulder's dad, is because then he gets to have a good dad and a bad dad. Because his his quote unquote real dad is out of the picture. So you know, Skinner's his good dad. Yeah. And then CSM is his bad dad. But Skinner's I like also that. like not like he's not a nurturing dad. Really, he's a he's tough, the dad. tough dad. He's a tough, he's a tough dad. dad. But meanwhile, then if if Cigarette Smoking Man is keeping Mulder safe, he is the nurturing dad. Kind he's of. Like, he's the dad who's giving his son everything that he needs and letting him But he's skate. absent, yeah. And, 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 and meanwhile, Skinner is the one who's like literally beating him up in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, like dads do. Um, there are... Uh, it, this whole religion conversation that they have where it, he talks about how they're, uh, most of them have ceased to believe in God. Uh, they don't believe in him, but they're still afraid of him. It's sort of talking about the you know religion, importance of religion going down right. in the U.S. Obviously, but it seems like Chris Carter doesn't seem to like that. And how do you think? I didn't fully get how that ties into uh, the conspiracy or how they're controlling people through fear. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's confusing because technically they should be want they should be wanting people religious because it's a good control method. Um, I don't 100% know. I think it's a I think it's just a good philosophical discussion. I don't think it necessarily will end up building into. The, I don't think yeah. the show ends up there's a, there are good episodes about religion and there are episodes that touch on it and Certainly. Scully being religious is is a, is a real help. But I always feel like that's one of the places the show didn't fully go that I really wanted it to go. Yes. More. Uh, to get heavier into religion. Yeah, because uh, it's always that thing of, you know, Scully's religious, she has faith, but right. then her she's a skeptic in some other ways and how that sort of works together and how she's seen certain things. Um, uh, yeah, they don't really go all in on it. And then sometimes they're sort of pro-faith in a way that is kind of weird uh, in like an unquestioning way, which I think, you know, can be destructive. Destructive. I think most people who are very religious would also be okay, um, you know, 
looking at their fave. There's a, it's, I, it's, that feels like a standard Hollywood storytelling problem, which is that that's a thematically a good thing to introduce faith and to make and to offer that as a, as, as a story point, the idea of unwavering faith and the strength of it. It always reminds me of movies, Hollywood movies, where um, the whole plot is the idea of the workaholic dad who has to learn to spend time with his family. Yeah. And these are all movies made by people who are workaholics who do not spend time with their families. <laughs> so it's the same thing with the faith thing. It's yeah. sort of like they go, we think this is a theme that will resonate yeah. with people, so let's do a thing about faith. We have no faith. Okay. But this is this is a theme. People want to hear that they should stay home with their kids. Uh, and I had not seen my kid in seven weeks. Uh, yeah, that's so, really interesting. So to me, that's sort of how these Hollywood storytelling things end up yeah. happening. They're hitting themes that feel yeah. good. And sometimes when you start picking it apart, you go, A, this doesn't work. And also, B, I can tell you do not even believe in this. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, they uh, There's the uh, the process begins. That's a fun phrase, the process. Um, I thought Mulder's line when he gets up to cigarettes, he says, I want the smoking man smoked out. Not your best line. No, but I do like whenever X calls him Cancer Man. Yes. I like Cancer Man better than Cigarette Smoking Man. I think Cancer Man also came from the message board. I bet. I think so. Um, But let's talk for a minute, talk about Duchovny is asked to do more acting, I think, in these two episodes than he usually is. I just wrote down Moldo Cryface. Yeah. And uh, he does. There's a really good bit when in that last bit where he and uh, where he and Scully are sitting next to his mom, where he looks at his mom and then he opens his mouth like he's going to say something and then he looks up and he's choking back tears. Yeah. And I was like, that's really good. They have both gotten so good. You see them like in the last three years. They were always really good, but you could see they were sort of leaning on specific, you know, types of uh, attitudes and stuff. Like they were like, oh, these are my strengths. I'm going to sort of play this note uh, in a way that really works. But here you see them really stretching. I mean, Mulder's cry face. When he cries, he cries a couple times in these two episodes. Really, really good and very layered. It's not just like a guy crying it's a guy trying to not cry and it's really interesting too the decision to make him be emotionally vulnerable when he meets marita uh, covarubias yeah. is a really fascinating decision in terms of his relationship with her yes because he comes to her from a position where he can't even finish a sentence because he's so upset. i thought that that scene is so good where she's like why do you want this and he can't like quite formulate it and right. he kind of trails off um i thought that was really really good that seems really pretty good and it's cool like like you pointed out i hadn't thought of that his their relationship is different than his relationship with mr x so there's a lot more posturing well it's really interesting the relationships that Mulder has with all of these uh you know these 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 information givers and it's interesting his relationship with all of the conspiracy episodes because so few of the conspiracy episodes begin with Mulder actually doing anything yes and they almost always begin with shit dropped directly in his lap Yes. It's kind of fascinating. This is one of the ones that is the few ones where it feels like he's actually instigating. Yes, he's trying he, to find stuff. He tries yeah. to figure out what's happening in that in that yeah. restaurant and then it begins to to, you know, blow up. But so often these conspiracy episodes are just something crazy happens, somebody shows up and gives Mulder a thing. Yeah, somebody sends him a VHS tape. <laughs> right. Yeah, that happens a lot. Uh that happens a lot. Um anytime someone climbs a pole in a movie or TV show, something bad's going to happen to them. <laughs> But I thought that the, his makeup looked pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Dead. I like when yeah. they find his corpse and he's all I gross. also like that thing of them, just the image of all the kids like sort of walking back to nothing. Like there's nothing you see. It, right. I thought that was really cool. Just the idea of, you know, it's somewhere out there. We don't know where. Crazy shit's happening. And it's kind of hiding in plain sight. Right. It's not underground or anything. It's just. It's not even high tech. They just have uh, They just have tarps. Yeah. Over their alien plants. Right. <laughs> yeah, over their alien plants. Um, I, I, this is, 
this sort of introduces a lot of stuff that ultimately, I think, towards the end of the series gets convoluted. Like, how do the bees sort of stay relevant through the rest of the series? Do you remember? I mean, I guess spoiler alert. I know they're in the movie. I guess here's a spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert. Skip to the next two minutes. No, some of this stuff gets sort of written out. The alien bounty hunters disappear later on in the series. They get written out of the series. The bees are part of an idea of spreading a genetic virus that will turn humans into drones. Right. So the idea is these are aggressive bees, so they sting a lot. Yeah. And then they are pollinating plants to uh, further their reach. And yes. And it seems like a really convoluted and not surefire way. But it I works. I know people I who have never been stung by a bee. Huh? I know people who have never been <laughs> yeah. stung by a bee. So I've never been stung by a bee. Yeah, so you would be safe in this world. As long yeah. as you just don't get stung by a bee, you're safe from colonization. Um, I think, I mean, as a metaphor, it kind of works with the drones and, you know, control and all that. It really works from that. And I think, I think visually, you know, bees are pretty cool. That's like well, a fun thing. Well, the best X-Files stuff is always right on that tense line between what works metaphorically and as a cool visual and as a cool idea. Yeah. And then what sort of doesn't work logically. Yeah. And that's a lot of the best X-Files stuff is right there, like finding that space between like... Well, logically, how does this work? I'm not really sure, but what a cool image, or how does this tie into yeah. history in a really cool way? Um, it's it's that always ends up being the biggest problem with the X Files continuing on for nine seasons, right? Is that it's always a show that the longer you are on that tightrope, the more uh, the more you're going to fall off. The sense you get watching these two episodes is that you know you learn a lot more, but it also sort of draws a boundary around the conspiracy, right? Like, before these episodes, it's sort of this big, vague thing. Now you know there's a date, it's colonization, so it sort of puts it in a circle. Now you would think that now that it's in a circle and it's in some ways identifiable what the plan is, now the show sort of goes about defeating it, right? Slowly, like, shrinking it down and making it smaller and smaller and then defeating it. Because it goes on for nine seasons, they don't really do that, so, which is why I, I I still think the movie would have been a good point to finish the conspiracy and then like start Chris something Carter else. I feel like Chris Carter sort of almost agrees with you. I would I would have to say that I bet that if he went back and knew he was going to go nine mm-hmm. seasons, that he would have done things differently in terms. Because I I always imagined the plan was to do a movie and then one final season of the show and then just do movies leading up to the date because they had the date at 2012, so they had plenty of time to put to putz around in there. Um, so I don't, I don't think that the show ever intended to go nine seasons. And so as a result, everything gets really weird. I think what happens maybe a little bit is that the show, season four is the height of its popularity. Five, it's on its way down a little bit. Then the movie comes out, and the movie does pretty well. It's not a massive, massive right. hit. I think it makes like, how much do you think it made? I think it probably made $86 million. Really? I'm going to say 120. You're going to say 120? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this is, these are different numbers. That's the thing back in the day. Oh, these are yeah. Eighty million is more than it's more. Well, it was worth more than, and making a hundred million was was blockbuster material back yeah. then. Yeah, like crazy blockbuster. Okay. All right, you probably know more than I do. But you might be right though. Uh, let's see, hundred and oh. Eighty-four million. Oh my god, I was off by two million dollars. Yeah. I didn't even look that up. I swear to God. Yep. So and one hundred and five million. So so it's like a it's a hit. 
Certainly a hit. And by the time the second movie came out, 105 million wasn't what 105 million had been right. when the first movie came out. Right, right, right. So as as you know, inflation happens. Right. Stuff. So 85 million is pretty good. Pretty good. Shows... It's not. It's, it's not a huge cultural hit. If it crossed 100, then you're a blockbuster. Right. Uh, 85 is good. You're happy. Yeah. So it sort of gets to the point where like, all right, we're in this middle zone where we can't just make movies, a bunch of them, and they're going to be huge. But the show is still popular enough to continue making the TV show. So maybe that was the thinking. Because season six really. Uh, I think it's really good because after the movie, it's it's a lot of one-offs that sort of they're uh, a little freer. They kind of just kind they're of more their own playful. Thing. They do like weirder shit. There's some great one-offs in there, and it feels like that would have been a good point. Like, all right, this is our dismount, and then now we make the movies. But maybe because the movie wasn't as profitable as it should have been, maybe it, it feels like it came out a year or two late or something. Because X Files was was a very popular show for a long time, but its height was really only about a year, year and a half. Like, I've been looking at the numbers. Season three to four, it's on its way up. But at the beginning of season five, it's already on its way down a little bit. It's really interesting, too, to do a, t- a movie in the middle of a run of a TV show. Yeah. And a TV show that has been promoted as being a smart, like, mythology show. Yeah. You're really cutting off a lot of the audience. Because if you yeah. look at the numbers of people who, who tune in every week... That's not enough people to make a hit movie. No, and so it's really a it's it's sort of an unusual move to do that. To so you know this 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 here's a big screen movie that's going to take place in between two seasons of a show that maybe you don't watch. It's a very very tough thing to do. I think it's brave. I love it. I love that they did it. I think it's good and it really worked for me. I think I liked the movie. I haven't seen it in a while, and I want I'm going to see it in sequence. I liked it. I thought it did a pretty good job of satisfying the diehard, but also introducing right. newer people to it. Um, I remember that first scene with the explosion. I, I, I like that. I, I thought it did a good job of straddling that line, but it's different from like Serenity, right? Serenity's the end of the show, and this you're is, like... This is wrapping up a series that never up. got to finish. Yes. Right. This is sort of continuing and not really kind of wrapping up anything. It really They, they really could have used it to wrap it up. They really steadfastly refused to wrap it up by having, by having Scully not see the UFO at the end of the movie, which yeah. is like maybe one of the most frustrating things they ever did in the whole series. Yeah. And it's like, you're, here, you're in the movie now. I'm sure, can Cr- do it. I'm sure Chris Carter agrees with us. Uh, but this episode, this I mean, the only reason why it's, we even bring up the movie at this point, though, is that this episode, uh, or, or, or Heronvolk anyway, is the, the episode that is establishing the mythology that will run through to the movie. Because yeah. it's sort of different than the mythology of the first three seasons. Yes. It really is sort of a change of pace. Because we did think it was an invasion. We did think it was the gray aliens. We had all this stuff yeah. going on. Uh, we right. thought that there was. We thought there was more of a. Um, we thought there was more of a, a hand holding connection between the government and the aliens, and it's becoming clearer and clearer that the relationship is more complicated than that. Yeah. Um. So they're really twisting things in in really interesting ways. Yeah. From here to the movie, like you said, it feels like they really have a plan. Where whereas in the past, it feels like they're introducing stuff and then kind of. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be yes. cool? But now they go, well, we have a movie, and this is going to happen in the movie, so what has to happen on the show between yes. now and then? Um, it's also interesting that when the second episode starts, you re- it, it, when they go back to the bounty hunters showing up, they really show the nuts and bolts of them like escaping from that guy. Right. Whereas in the past, they haven't really done that. Like when he's trapped in the car that's on fire, the train car, he just kind of gets out, and, he, and you don't really know. Um, I thought that sequence was good. I thought the music in it is really good. It's like very weird percussive yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's neat because it almost they're in this weird abandoned factory and it almost sounds like the, the abandoned factory has come to life. Right, yeah. right. Clanging. I think Mark Snow, obviously the theme song is amazing, the yeah. title song, but he did such good work and, you know, almost every episode, almost every scene, there's something great. I did, a little, I did the tiniest bit of research into Brian Thompson who plays the alien bounty hunter. 
Heart, yeah. Did you know that he wrote and directed a movie last year called The Extendables? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. <laughs> is it, is it like an Expendables sound, scary movie? It sounds like an expen- something like Expendables porno to me. Ex- the Extendables? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what it was about. I didn't, I didn't get that deep into research. But it's he, out? He wrote and directed it in 14. I don't know if it's actually out, out, but he did it. Oh, wow. Because he's sort of like a real uh, regular on the, the convention circuit and stuff. Of because course. he's had roles in a bunch of different yeah. sci-fi things. And uh, I suspect that he was able to maybe get financing. He's got sci-fi face. He does have sci-fi face. Um, I saw, you know who I saw when we went to, uh, what's that horror con that we missed each other Monster Palooza. It was so fun. Um, Yafet. Koda? Yeah, Kodo. Yeah, he was there. Did I you, saw him there. Do we, like, oh. we talk about him that he's really into conspiracies and UFOs? I heard it. I heard it, but we haven't talked about it. Yafet yeah. Kodo is the guy from the first alien, the black guy who wants a race. <laughs> and he's awesome in that movie. He's amazing. Yeah. He's awesome in a lot of things. Uh, he's crazy, though. Um, I love Monster Palooza. It is my absolute favorite. I feels like it, it's not I mean, obviously comic-con is crazy and huge but even WonderCon and all of these are huge this really feels like it's about artists like it's these it's 100% guys. about makeup artists it's, yeah. it's all about it. it's about like weird like masks and, and oh, appliances yeah. and just cool monster sculpts i feel like these are people who work on movies and stuff the rest of the year and then they bring their own shit to this the stuff that they're working on the side and try and make some money and there's a lot of great stuff i bought like a bunch of like necklaces and art and stuff like that i wanted to buy a mask but it was a little too expensive. And they're I, pricey. They're yeah, pricey. well, they should be. They they're, should be. No, no, they're, they're, they're awesome. All, they're all very handmade. They're all yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah this, they're these beautiful. Are not, these are not mass produced. This is these are works of art from makeup artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's I just I just loved hanging out there. It was so so fun. I kind of want to go next year and like watch the movies and stuff and kind of do the whole thing. I spent no money this year. I feel very proud. Oh really? Yeah, I felt I felt very proud of spending. Usually I go and there's a couple of guys with like with posters and old soundtracks, and yeah. I'm spending way too much money on that. And this year, uh, between the last one and this one, my, my girlfriend moved in with me, and uh, I was going through like stuff in the house, and I was like, "Here's a gigantic collection of posters that are just sitting <laughs> yeah. in a closet. I, I'm probably I have to stop buying these." I now. bought a Doctor Fibes poster that this guy had made himself, and I just liked how it looked, and it wasn't that expensive. So, but I don't know when where I'm gonna put it. That's up. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the the larger plan. That's another phrase that they use. New origin of species. So it really is pretty Nazi-ish what they're doing. Well, I like that because even though they're pivoting on the conspiracy, they're connecting it back to a lot of the conspiracy stuff previously. Yeah. Because so much of the conspiracy stuff had been tied into the Nazis yes. and into Japanese World War II atrocities. Um, yeah. There's a cool continuity of it, and I do like the idea that if you kind of zoom out, the idea that humans were doing to humans what the aliens end up doing to humans later on. Right. That we're, that there's no difference. Right. Really. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I like is like when it sort of ties into real historical stuff like that. Um, there, uh, Mulder has to choose between like his sister or like his mother. Uh, I thought that was a cool little moment. Like, is he going to go to his mom or go find... Because this is how you can always get Mulder. Hey, I know something about your sister. And then he'll do... <laughs> it's like calling Marty McFly chicken, which was added in movie two. It's not in the first movie. But it's like you just say, Mulder, hey, I'll tell you about your sister. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. I'm, I have to admit, I'm a little dissatisfied with the Mulder sister clone stuff because after so many seasons of that being Mulder's trigger word, 
that he knows there's an Alberta farm full of his sister, yeah, and he doesn't go back to it, that he has to be told by the UN that that farm has been abandoned. Yeah, I feel like the minute he got back to the US and talked to Scully, he would turn back around and go, we're going back to Alberta. But they're not his sister. They can't talk and stuff. There's something missing from them, right? Uh, yeah, they're not. I mean, they're, 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 they're engineered to be drones, right. but still, for Mulder, I feel like this is such a profound thing that to sort of go home and not go back to it feels like a huge oversight. Because, yeah, it's been... it's The, the, the last scene is a it's couple... It's a month later. It's a least, month later. At least, at least a right. month later. And it just feels like one of these things where I'm like... Even if it's not his sister, just to go see what the fuck is going on. He knows he, where it is, right? Yeah, he, just go to like, it. Like, he literally drove there so he can even, you know, he can he can map it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, like, if he was, like, blindfolded or whatever. Exactly. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I, there's a couple... Right. There are, like, again, that's what you talk about with the best episodes of the X-Files, which is things that work thematically or as spookiness. But when you get down to the logic, you're like, yeah, just go back to fucking Alberta, man. Yeah. But some of the stuff I thought uh, logically works really well. Like I like the idea of when the car breaks down, they say, well, that's it for the gas in an ADR booth months later. They said that. <laughs> uh, well, he's like, it's about 10 miles that way. And then Mulder just has to like walk 10 miles to the truth. I thought that was good, but I also liked how they tie into the, the guy who died with the bees and they can get it in his truck and take it. Like, So there was a lot of stuff that works really well. And I don't really think of these issues like that, you know, the month later thing. I honestly hadn't thought of that when watching it. It's later when you think back on it. You're like, well, okay. Just, I'm just thinking about the idea that like for Mulder, who has been so obsessed with his sister for so long, to find a farm full of his sister at the age when she was abducted. Yes. This is just like what like what is the psychological impact of that? Right. Like let alone anything else. Like what do you – how do you feel? I mean like even if you – because even the idea of feeling like this is not my sister but it is his sister – that's an interesting psychological no, thing. No, it's a crazy thing, but it's so complicated. I don't know how you just not talk about it all the time. Right. That's, just, that's, yeah, all, like, that's all I would talk about. Yeah. So, you it know, should it's like, be like in Home, which is the next episode. They'd be like, hey, I saw a bunch of – I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> all these people fucking their mother and stuff. But I just saw seven of my sisters, so this is fine. And, you know, she never had a green thumb, but all of a sudden she's working on the yeah. farm. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> and who's the kid? Who's the boy? Who the fuck is that? Um, oh, I thought that was funny when uh, uh, when X shows up to Mulder's house and Scully's there. And right as he goes to the door, X is like, open the door. It's like, how did he know that she was right at the door? Because you really got to time that right. Because if it's... If she's been... If she's already opening the door and he's like, open the door. She's like, I was already opening it. Or if it's too early that she's not there yet. Oh, well, he's, uh, he's a badass. He's a badass. So his timing is always perfect. He's sort of like... Um, uh, I've been watching Daredevil on Netflix. I watched the first two episodes. That guy who plays Daredevil is fucking amazing. Charlie I think. Cox. He's unbelievable. Uh, I think... What do you think of that show? Have you been watching it? I've watched the first nine. Yeah. I like Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. I'm not wild about him as Batman Begins. He's a little... Well, he's got to do the voice. He does, but there's, there's something about like where he's got a guy on the floor in one episode and he goes... Who do you work for? Tell me who you work for. And I'm like, oh my god, this is a scene from Batman Begins. Yeah, there was a, the 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 second episode. I think when he's torture, he tortures a guy. Yeah, he tortures a guy, which That's I don't tough. like. I don't like that at all. And um, I don't like that Rosario Dawson, the nurse, tells him how to torture the guy. I don't like that. I, I actually I don't mind that she tells him because if she thinks that it's just sort of psychological torture, I'm okay with that. But, but the she, second he puts the the knife in the guy's eye, I'm like, ugh. I really thought that she was just doing that, but she seems to kind of be on board when he actually does use the knife. And I wasn't wild about him throwing the guy off the roof um, because even though the guy survives it's one of those things where it's like well did you really know 
Did you really know he'd survive? I don't know Daredevil so well. He's he the man kill. without fear. What's his thing? Is he like sort of morally ambiguous? It's so complicated because there there's so are, many iterations. Well, not it. just that, but there are iterations that end up being like really. Um, they're like they're like singularities that just like really uh, make everything else weird around them. So Frank Miller did a, a run on Daredevil when the character was really unpopular. But Daredevil was a, essentially was an originally sort of a Spider-Man-esque character. He was like he was like cocky quips. and quips, and he was silly, and his big enemies like Stiltman and the Owl. Okay. And then Frank Miller came along and was like, "This is a street level character. I can put my ninja stuff in here." And he yeah. put, he made him a ninja. And then he started doing these really dark stories where um, Karen Page, Daredevil's longtime love interest had left the book and she came back as a heroin addict and a porn star who uh, sold Daredevil's identity to, to Kingpin. And oh, God. so Kingpin like ruined Daredevil's life and they had to come back. So it's like this yeah. really gritty, hardcore. Yeah. And in the 80s, that shit was like amazing. Yeah. You know, it's a little more commonplace now. But that, yeah. that iteration of the character has defined the character for a long time. And he's become kind of Batman-y in that yes, way, which he, he which he didn't used to be. Definitely has. And also that 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 iteration of the character, I think, made people confused about the idea that Daredevil does not kill people, and that Daredevil is the interesting thing about Daredevil is that he's a, he's 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 a lawyer who is seeking justice in the courtroom the yeah. correct way. But if he doesn't get it, he'll beat the shit out of you outside. Yeah. I like that dichotomy. That that's yeah. fine. The show makes it a little. T- he he tortures a bunch of guys in the show. I don't I don't like some that. of it's tough to watch. I just watch because I think that guy's great. I think he's really great as Matt Murdock. Um, I you know what I mean. You this is probably the kind of thing you can't say. I find the guy playing Foggy Nelson to be insufferable and the worst. Uh, and I cannot deal with it. Uh, and the show keeps writing that character into every episode. And I just I just I hate it. But that's a major character in the books, right? He's a major character, but like he's a major character in the terms of like. If he doesn't show up for two issues, nobody gives a shit. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Foggy's not like... Well, but the, the show's so dark, you need someone who can sort of provide some levity, I guess. You would guess. But you haven't got up to Vincent D'Onofrio. No, I've he's, only heard him on the phone. He's incredible. Yeah. As Kingpin. He's yeah, incredible. he's always incredible. The, 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 the show honestly should have been Kingpin. It should have been like the Breaking Bad of Marvel. Yeah. Uh, because they give him so many layers ah, and so much depth. Great. That you, it would be great to watch him rise. Great. Um, all right, back to Sorry. the X-Files. No, I brought it up. I brought it up. Um, Mulder pouring himself with gasoline. He That's can't very even see. funny. That's a very funny sequence to me. Yeah. Uh, because he can't see. He didn't think it through. Uh, and also just the idea of uh, just pouring gasoline over yourself is just like such a weird fanatic suicide move. Yes, it's totally. Just, 100% it's, it's like sacrificing himself. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a funny moment. It's just one of those things where it's like all that the alien bounty hunter has to do is, is like light a cigarette. Yeah. Also, over. he's around the bees for a while before he does that. Like, he could have easily died. Easily. The other thing was when they're talking about the 15 character alpha m- numeric thing, and he goes to the, it's infinite, the possibilities, the combinations. They're not infinite. They're <laughs> just a lot of them. It's a lot. If it's 15 and its number is an alphanumeric, it's finite. It's not, it's a lot, but compared to infinite, it's not a lot. Well, it's literally infinite. It's in, not in the way that we use literally now. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally, literally infinite. infinite. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's more you know it's more it's tacos actually, it's than I've had not, in my life. It's actually not infinite. Uh, and yeah, it's not literally that, but yeah. It's, it's literally it's literally infinite. infinite. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the smallpox stuff. I like that. The test of science. She uses that phrase. I like that. And she's. I like that sort of thing where she says they were like, "Hey, we put you in to debunk him." And she's like, "No, you put me here to." 
scientifically like look at what to, he's to doing test all of his stuff yeah, yeah. so well, I, think I like it, that because in the beginning it does sort of seem like she even thinks she's there to debunk him but now the relationship has sort of come she's seen point. shit she's seen yeah. shit and she, yeah. she knows there's weird government stuff yeah. going and on and I like her you know Mulder's always sort of going on crazy faith and she's always sort of using science to get there uh, and I think this these two episodes do a good job of sort of keeping that um, you know line going uh, I like Mr. X's death scene. Uh, I read, you know, I read some things people didn't like it, but I like. I like it a lot. Yeah. I like that he gets to do the, the the dying breath message, but without having to speak. I like. Yeah. I like anytime anybody writes a message in their own blood. I think that's totally awesome. Yeah, we, we don't do that enough in fiction anymore. No, 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 no. It should be every time. <laughs> anytime someone's dying, write a message in blood. <laughs> well, this is what she says: Nothing happens in contradiction to na- nature, only in cr- contradiction to what we know of it. I, I really like that phrase. And then his bloody hands was like a real, real bummer. Oh, and she says, he can head us to a place to start and you see him dying and you're like, oh shit, no. And then it pans up and you see that he's written something. So so she is right. I would like to know how they, how they decoded that to mean special representative to the secretary general. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to get to. That's a big leap. That's yeah. A, that's a huge leap. Yeah. And Mulder had a hard time uh, decoding lamp. Yes. <laughs> a lamp? <laughs> It's in a plam. Um, when we he runs into Marita and he's going to speak to her boss and she goes, I'm afraid he's been called into something important. I was like, that's a neg. It's, like, <laughs> it's not something more important. It's something important. Just in general. This is not important at all. Yeah. And she says, not everything dies, Mr. Mulder, which is, you know. The opposite think, of what the bounty hunter Yeah, says, everything, everything dies. dies. That's a fun that's a fun little thing, and I think that's the opening of the episode. It says everything dies. Not if you watch it on, next, uh, if not, it on Netflix. Not if you watch it on next Netflix. Netflix also on my TV for whatever reason decided to make these episodes widescreen, and I could not um, stop it. So they were smushed. They were. They like, were no. They just they zoomed stretched. in to like the top and the bottom of the screen were kind of cut off. So there'd be these weird compositions where characters are talking, and it's a long shot, and their heads would be gone. Oh, yeah, it was that weird. sucks. Yeah, I couldn't. I just couldn't change. They really it. need to start. I'm sure the the remastered things are going to come out at some point. They have to be on Blu-ray at some point. They're bringing the show back. They have to remaster. They've been them. airing in Germany in HD. But so. Are they HD in square, or they had they made them widescreen? Well, what's weird is I've seen some of it, and it's HD widescreen, but it's more information. It's not that's that they a, cut that's off a, the top that's and a, the bottom. That's a, that's a problem because when they're sh- when you're shooting on film, which the show did, you're shooting um, widescreen no matter what. But the problem is that they're only staging it for the square. Right. So there could be like a guy standing on the side. Which is why the wire. The wire they had to do a really heavy work on yeah, because there's like there it. were literally people just standing directly out of frame. Um, so, is there anything else you want to say about it before I talk about the message boards? I feel like that this episode, these two episodes, are sort of. Um, I'm not wild about them on a plot level. Um, I think that a lot of it sort of doesn't really work or hang together for me. I like the mythology. Oh my god! Silicon Valley just got renewed. Congratulations! Holy shit! <laughs> wow! What the fuck? Okay. Now, now the, um, the people at home get an insight into how this stuff works. In oh Hollywood. my god! This is how it works. Somebody texts you. <laughs> Um, whoa, yeah, that's why I have a ton of texts. Oh my god, holy shit. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. Congratulations. Thank you. I am very excited. But I yeah. Guess, spoiler, this means that you don't die in season two. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> die in season two, otherwise, I wouldn't give a shit. Um, oh my god, holy shit. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, what were we talking about? Daredevil? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> 
No, I think I think you're right in that these episodes are logically there's problems and stuff. Overall, I think these episodes do a really good job of sort of closing off one, you know, closing off stories. What they're doing is that pulling stuff out right. of the mythology and being like, this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it. It's this, really defining it. Um, and it sort of is a really good way to get our agents sort of, you know, propelling them right. towards the end. And there's terrific character stuff. So even though I don't like a lot of the plot stuff in this, in yeah. episodes, I like a lot of the character stuff. I like the depth, the edit to Cigarette Smoking Man. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like, yeah. I like Mulder crying about his mom. I like yeah. the idea they finally broken the, the, the need to kill off a, family, a member of a family in every serious episode. They, yeah. let, they let somebody's family member live this episode. Yeah, it felt so a nice. little like his sister's gone, his dad's dead, her, her sister's dead. <laughs> her now dad's it's like, dead. We've, yeah. we've, we've done this. This is like a Disney movie. In the beginning, the dad dies, and then the kid, you know. But but um, I I would rather have uh, shows where, if I'm going to choose one, where the character stuff works. I'm, I 100% agree. It's I love easier for me to ignore the plot stuff. Ideally, that works. And those problems are like... You know, maybe they are a little nitpicky, but it's stuff that you think about because they they are so densely plotted. And it's a show that asks you to think about it. So I don't yeah. I don't mind being a little nitpicky as long as yeah. I'm not being a jerk about it. Because this is a show that says we're going to give you hints, we're going to play around with ideas, and I'm I'm engaging it. But yeah, you're right. As long as the character stuff works, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um. So I gotta run real quick. Also, it's hard for me to focus right now. Um, <laughs> On the message boards, I noticed. I'm just going to talk about it real quick. I noticed a lot of line being lines being drawn between hardcore fans and new fans, where people are asking questions about like specific stuff, and people are kind of getting angry at them, where they're like, "Why the fuck are you here now?" Because <laughs> the message board's really blowing up, a lot of stuff. So I'm seeing these lines being drawn in ways that are still being drawn in nerddom, yeah. right? Where it's like, "I've been a fan forever." It's, it's sort of like I got made fun of. Fun of for liking this shit when I was a kid, right. so you can't be in your twenties and now like it. Right, like, this was a fucking you know. I paid my fucking dues. Yeah, I, did I paid the hard my yards. dues. Yeah, and you just get to watch thirteen episodes of Daredevil because you have Netflix <laughs> Instant. <laughs> Fuck you. I could talk about you know his girlfriend coming back or whatever, and uh, selling the identity. Um, the other thing that a lot of people are talking about is apparently there's a feud between Gillian uh, Anderson and Joan Rivers, where Joan Rivers. Apparently, and this, this calls her a bitch in many interviews. People have asked her, like, hey, what was the worst part about hosting the Emmys red carpet? And she says, Gillian Anderson, she's a bitch. Like, that's a direct, oh, Gillian Anderson, what a bitch. These are direct quotes from, uh, from Joan Rivers. And apparently, what happened was, it's not even that bad. She's talking to Mulder and Scully, Duchovny and Anderson, on the red carpet. And she goes, um, and the show's in its second season, and Mulder goes, no, it's in its fourth season. And uh, uh, Julian Anderson goes, come on, Joan, and like a, as like a joking, or Joan, a Joan, way. Joan, come on. And apparently Joan Rivers doesn't like it, and Joan and Melissa Rivers sort of, and it continues for a few years apparently, because I found this page that lists stuff about it, and it goes uh, for the next three years at least, she's saying stuff about it. She says during the Joan Rivers E Emmy special in 1998, she says, there's Julian Anderson beating her fans, both of them, with their Emmy from last year. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But um, uh, this feud is now over and Julian Anderson won. Yeah, Julian Anderson won. <laughs> Joan Rivers is dead. In 1997, during the E pre-show, she says, Frost warning, Julian Anderson has just arrived. So, pretty intense. Wow. I don't want to get into this whole thing. For someone who's sort of looked up to as a feminist icon, Joan Rivers has been pretty horrible to women and really made fun of how they look and for being fat 
and that kind of stuff. And I've talked to a lot of like female comics about this. I don't. She's said some horrible Israel Palestine shit. Horrible, horrible shit where they're like, Palestinians, she's like, they should just move somewhere else. They're idiots for staying there. How do you think the world works, Joan Rivers? <laughs> so I don't get that. I understand that she's a woman comedian when it was really hard to be a female right. comedian and she was doing things in a way that most women comedians weren't doing. I get that. But towards the end of it, she really contributed to a lot of, um, you know, women having to dress a certain way. She, like, she ended up, it's weird because as somebody who was such a strong feminist and was really such a strong trailblazer, she ended up being a real agent of the status quo at the end and sort of just getting on red carpet and saying nasty, nasty things about people. And it, was, it's, it wasn't even funny. That, that's the other thing about it. It's like, you know. Oh, like, dude. It's, I, honestly, I never thought it was funny. Yeah, I know. I've never seen her be funny. There's certain people like that. I mean, I'm from a different era, obviously, where it's like, I don't get why this is right. funny. Um, thank you so much for coming, Devin. I'm glad I could be here when you Watch, found out about uh, season Silicon three. Watch Silicon Valley on HBO. We're going to do another <laughs> fucking season. Thanks, guys. Oh, and I should mention um, Thomas Middleditch, who plays Richard on Silicon Valley, and I are on tour together right now. So watch us on the 17th and 18th. Uh, come to the Atlanta Improv. Go to theatlantaimprov.com. We're doing shows at 7.30, 30, 17th and 18th. That's uh, Friday, Saturday. Show's going to be great. We're each going to do stand-up. We do some two-man stuff. We give away prizes. Like, it's going to be... It's been, a, it's been a really, really fun time. So come uh, and, you know, say hi to us afterwards. Uh, thanks, guys. Feral Audio. Hey, it's Josh Simpson and Jake Jabour from The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> he never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv.